Today on Lockdown Red Wings, the Griffins got their guy, and should Detroit sign Radko Gudis? Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Scotty, um, so today we got a few things to talk about. Nice having some content. Um, the first of which is regarding the fact that the Griffins went and hired their new head coach. And it is a familiar name. If you're familiar with the Red Wings organization from top to bottom. Uh, and then on top of that, the Stanley cup finals wrapped up with the Vegas golden Knights hoisting the cup above their head following game five and a blowout victory over the Florida Panthers. Like, whoosh. so we're just going to kind of riff on that, talk our thoughts, but then also, Radko Gudis, speaking of the Florida Panthers, it'll be a nice little transition, nice little segue right into that. Should the Red Wings sign him? That is something that a lot of you guys have been talking about in the comments. So we're going to talk about him today. But first, Scotty, back to the new Griffins head coach, the Toledo Walleye head coach, Dan Watson, the man at the helm of the phenomenal season that that team had and the great goaltending that that team had as well all season by both Lutheran and Sebastian Kosa, has been named the new head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Scotty, when you saw the news today, what was your initial thought? Well, I'm pumped. I I mean, like, first off, good for Dan, man. Like, that's a, that's a awesome step in the right direction while uh, right direction is probably not the right word to use there, but like a, a, a promotion of sorts uh, while staying within the same organization is a, is a huge accomplishment, a really cool thing. So congrats and hats off, you know, stick taps to him. But um, really, I, I, I think from a wings perspective, I mean, this is I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, if you're just looking at success and you want to use that as a, I don't know, barometer or whatever word you want to use. I mean, Toledo was phenomenal this year, especially in the second half. What they went on a 18 or 19 game winning streak at one point. They saw a lot of development from a lot of different young players. Kosa obviously down there and worked with him. Um, and, uh, and, and thrived in the second half of the season along. I mean, there's a plethora of, of dudes down there that really thrived under his system. And so I think part of me is kind of like, well, you know, as, as those guys get promoted, if they're going to keep having that type of production and, and, uh, that type of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but if, if they're going to continue growing development wise, right. If they're going to keep developing and, and trending in a positive direction, then like, why not? have them get promoted from Toledo. You know, the players are going to take the similar pipeline, right? They're going to go Toledo to Grand Rapids. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. And this is my, my first reaction was kind of the same vein. Like the big thing that Grand Rapids was struggling with was besides winning hockey games was developing talent. Now, that being said, I think Simon Edvinson did take a pretty substantial step forward this year, which is what we are helping or hoping for rather out of him. Yeah. And, you know, there is something to be said about that. But overall, the Griffins last couple of years have been underperforming, you know, not to say that they are bereft with talent, but they definitely do seem to lack that something and, and a change was needed. And I think kind of going 
you, you can't really call this a promotion because it's not like the ECHL and the AHL have direct affiliations with one another outside of the indirect affiliation with the Red Wings. I mean, they're both just aff- affiliated teams, professional affiliated teams with the Red Wings. So it's not like it's a pipeline, so to speak. It's not like it was uh, the, the wording wasn't promoted to head coach of the Griffins. He was hired as right. head coach of the Griffins. But there is like a, an organizational familiarity within that. Like, I'm sure all these guys know each other. And with the success that he has seen with the Toledo Walleye, especially with developing the talent down there and bringing that team. I mean, I don't think he's had a losing season once in his, uh, what, six years as head coach of the Toledo Walleye. He went 51-17, 50-17, 40-23, and 37-17, 49-19, and and 45-19. and And he lost in the third round this year. I mean, he didn't have a single year where his win percentage was below 600. I mean, he's, and you know, again, whenever you talk about coaching and wherever you talk about teams, there's something to be said about, you know, maybe the team itself was really, really good. And that helped him along the way. Um, But also, you know, it's both, it goes both ways, right? It's a two way street, like coaching can go a long way to bring a team above where it's current level is. And, you know, skill can go a long way and carrying coaches. We've seen it both ways. And in the end, it's, you know, a little bit of both is probably true. Another thing, another angle on this too, is I believe Derek Lalone served as a coach with the Toledo walleye for one or two of those years where with Dan Watson. So there's again, that organizational familiarity between those two as well. Not that I think it's going to come into a huge, a lot of play that made no sense. A lot of play with the uh, Detroit Red Wings, but you know, that familiarity that these two guys share the, the, the friendship that they may have had may help, with discussions in regards to players in Grand Rapids and whether or not it's time to let them come up to the NHL. Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, I mean, just the, when you have, there is talent in Toledo as far as players go. Like there, there's a lot of players on that roster, several that, you know, this franchise, when you look at uh, players that they are going to somewhat rely on going forward and are, I don't want to go as far to say like our guaranteed parts of the long-term plan or anything, but like there's a lot of guys in there who, who are looked upon as decent prospects and, and a lot of people and a lot of players thrived in that system. So just reiterating what I said earlier, I mean, having those players found success under like under Dan and and that system in Toledo and now presumably as they continue to grow they'll get promoted to Grand Rapids and be under a similar probably not an identical but a similar system with a coach that knows how to get the most out of those players so when it comes to player development that's the part that excites me the most just because we saw so much in the second half in Toledo so much from I mean literally in all three facets from forwards to to blue line to goaltending like we, we saw massive strides taken by a lot of players in the second half of, of the Toledo season. And so once those dudes are ready to get promoted, and I'm sure some will just by the fall, um, that that's, it's kind of cool to know like, hey, we, we have vi- a guarantee that this coach knows how to kind of push the right buttons and, and get the most out of those players specifically. Yeah, and I just went back to double-check to make sure I had my facts straight. And yeah, Lalone was the head coach of the Toledo Walleye in from 2015 season and the 2016 season, which – Dan Watson shared as the assistant coach. So there's yeah. definitely that relationship there. Another thing that I feel we'd be remiss to not acknowledge is it's been, there's been a lot made of, and when I say a lot made of a lot made of in terms of like NH AHL news, but a lot made of the fact that the Red Wings and the Griffins didn't run the same system. And a lot of what NHL teams are doing these days 
is they're running the same system in their AHL farm team that they're trying to develop in the NHL. So when these te- players get the promotion to the NHL, it's like a se- more seamless transition. Yeah. And there was a lot said about the fact that they didn't run the same schemes. And now right. is there, and this is a bit of an assumption, speculation, I don't know for sure, but with Dan Watson going to the Grand Rapids Griffins and them having this relationship prior, will they now be r- trying to run the same system as the Red Wings do? That way, when these players are ready to make the jump to the NHL, they're not thrown quite as deep into the deep end as uh, other rookies might be, where they have to come up and learn a whole new playbook and you know what exactly is going on. They already have an idea, so they're more ready to make that step. For sure. Yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to add upon that point. I 100% agree. I think that uh, this is uh, this is uh, should be looked at as a win within the organization. And yeah, I, I, I mean, there, I don't really have any reason to, to be afraid of it again. Like this isn't a guy that, Oh, like they're just hiring within just to hire within. Like this is a dude that found a lot of success at his current level and not only wins and loss wise, but also on the player development side of things. So moving him one step closer to the NHL with a lot of players uh, as well that he already has coached, I, I think can be nothing but a good thing. Yeah, I'm really excited to see uh, what the Griffins can do this year, if they can maybe improve upon the last couple of years, but they didn't even make the playoffs in an expanded playoff format where like yeah. almost no one misses. So hopefully, I know they were decimated by injury as well at some points, like Albert Johansson missed a large chunk of the season. Elmer Soderblom missed a huge chunk of the yeah, season as well. Beginning of the season and very end of the season again, yeah. Yeah, so let's hope that the Detroit Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins can continue to develop because this team's looking to take a step forward. And it, it, this news matters. Like it truly matters because what happens in your minors is going to translate to what happens in the NHL level. So you need your minor league team to be able to be good at developing talent as well. So player development is is the single most overlooked, not talked about, and underrated part of a successful franchise and all sports, but especially hockey and baseball, whether it's minor league system. I was going to say, I think hockey, it might be the most important. The minor league system might have the most importance in the NHL. Maybe you make an argument. I know you're a big baseball guy. You'll make an argument for baseball as well, but it's no, just, it's I mean, e- yeah, either just because those two have the minor league, you know, basketball kind of has the G league or whatever. Football doesn't have anything like that. College so. is the minor leagues. For right. Yeah, exactly. Sports. So it's really, it is those two sports player development is, is, is vital to, uh, like maintaining a franchise's success long-term. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, though, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals and transition into our conversation regarding Radko Gudis. I just headbutted my microphone with my hat. I do that all the time. I'm not used to wearing a hat. I'm not used to Thanks, buddy. You're you're something. All right, we're going to get to our ad read here. First up, we got game time. Got to talk to you guys today about that. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress using GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
Segment two, almost at three. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast, Thursday edition. Scotty, the Stanley Cup Finals wrapped up on Tuesday night, but by the time people are listening to this, it'll be Thursday. So it's yesterday for us, two days ago for them. It's our first opportunity to talk about it because we had to record a little bit ahead of time uh, with our last two episodes. But last night's game was an absolute blowout, 9-3. to And I'm going to be honest with you, Scotty. I thought the Stanley Cup final was kind of a dud. Like, really? Yeah, I mean, one, five I mean, like games. The series wasn't close. So. It wasn't. And it wasn't close. And the one game it was close really was the game in which the Panthers won in overtime. But the four games where the Vegas Golden Knights won, it felt like definitively the Vegas Golden Knights won. And Sergei Bobrovsky, who had carried them all throughout the playoffs, kind of, you know, finally, and I'm not blaming him by any stretch of the imagination. He's the reason they got that far. But, you know, he, he finally showed that he was human and he let in lots of goals. So I just, it was a little bit underwhelming for me, especially because I was really excited considering what the Panthers had done up until that point as the eight seed. I think you don't actually think that it was a dud. I think you're just a Vegas hater. No, I actually, I, I don't, I'm not a Vegas hater. I'm not, I, 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 uh, I know you, <laughs> I don't hate <laughs> Vegas, but what bothered me about Vegas, and I've reconciled these feelings since then, was the cap circumvention stuff, the the handling of the Marc-Andre Fleury, and just the overall pettiness that I had regarding the fact that they came in the league and immediately were good and have been good. Because th- yeah. at the time when that happened, I was like, their fans you know, should know suffering. And then I'm like, I just realized after enough time that I'm like, that's ridiculous to think. Like, it's, I still don't like the cap circumvention stuff, but it's legal. Like it's something that the NHL is allowing. It's a loophole that they haven't closed. So why would you not do it? Like good hockey teams find ways to win championships and bend the rules. Like that's just, that's how it goes. That's, that's what it is. You know, what's this saying? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, they ain't even technically cheating. It's technically within the realm of the rules. So while I think it's kind of skeevy, you know, it's within the rules. And then, you know, the flurry stuff, I still don't like, but I've reconciled my feelings over like my saltiness over my team being bad and theirs being immediately good. Like that's just, that was just savviness on their part. That was savviness on part of their, uh, on Kelly McCrimmon's part to be able to bring an expansion level team to the forefront day one. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, I was kind of being facetious there a little bit. Like I, I don't, Vegas isn't like my least favorite team in the NHL or whatever. I was rooting for Florida. Um, just because I, yeah, I was too. Yeah. I think most people were, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, clearly when it just comes to final results, I mean, Vegas, like, like you said, comfortably won. This was never even really, uh, a, a close series at any point. I mean, like what the closest it got was two one and Vegas went out and comfortably won the next two games. Like it, it wasn't ever really a, a close call. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't think it was, like, an awful cup necessarily. You know, I, I, I got entertainment out of, I think, every game except <laughs> game five. Yeah. I, was, I mean, that was nine to three is something special, man. That's, that's well, unbelievable. But I, as a, like, hi- sports history, like, nerd, I mean, seeing, you know, the first professional sports title – at least out of like the core four, you know, sports, I guess I should say, 
uh, go to Vegas and have it happen in Vegas and all that was kind of cool. They're talking about maybe having the parade at like 7 p.m., which is Vegas. Just terrifying. To me. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be wild. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I I I didn't think it was a bad cup. I mean, it certainly wasn't like one of the best cups ever. It was a five game series, and four of the games weren't particularly nail biters. So like, I I definitely don't think it was one of you know like the best cups ever. But uh, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was awful either. And kind of having the history aspect on at the end did, did a little bit for me too. Yeah, I mean, so games, what, three and four were one-goal games. You had 3-2 overtime win by Florida, then a 3-2 regulation win by Vegas. But outside of that, it was a 5-2, 7-2, It was just, it felt like pure domination. And it was just disappointing because it felt like, not to say that I expected Florida to win, but I expected them to fight tooth and nail just as they had had every other series. Like, they literally, none of these series that they won felt like blowouts. I know they beat, Toronto in five games and you know they beat Carolina pretty quickly but all those games were tooth and nail every single game was close down to the wire didn't feel like they ever had a big blowout and it felt like in this series they finally just ran out of steam and you know I wonder if the nine game layoff had anything to do with that I know you're not a big proponent of that but <laughs> nine games we nine days between it. the end of the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals and there's going to be some things said about that um, but then also the news came out that Matthew I mean, Chuck played with a Chuck, broken sternum in yeah, game not four. not being able to put on his like pads definitely had something to do with it. And then I think Aaron Eckblad had three different injuries. He dislocated his shoulder once, tore his oblique, and had a broken foot, I think it was. Yeah. Hockey players are built different. They really are. Built they really are. It's so crazy seeing, like, I don't know, like what, like <laughs> hockey player injuries like after the season and like what people do. You know, oh, this person – you you assumed was healthy all year is now going under surgery in June and we'll, we'll be ready just in time for spring or for, I almost said spring training for preseason or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's just a, uh, yeah. Hockey players are very much different, but yeah, somebody said that uh Kachuk had to get his, like his, t- the teammates had to help him put on like the sweater and his equipment and stuff because he literally couldn't, put on the equipment by himself and they were like you can't play dude like i don't know what to tell you like you can't lift your arms above your head like this is this is over um so i'm I'm, i think that that probably had a lot to do with that as well and then we already talked about the goalie play and whatnot but i don't know man i i uh I, i didn't think it was uh was an awful cup i definitely wasn't rooting for vegas but um I don't know. We can tra- fully, fully, fully transition into the off season now. I mean, we've been there on this show for a while, but now you know, as a as a sport, we can fully transition into off season mode and see some fun stuff happen. Hopefully, yes. Um, and as we transition to off season mode, we'll transition into our conversation regarding uh, Radko Gudis and whether or not the Detroit Red Wings should sign him. But before we talk to you about Radko Gudis, I should probably get ahead and start on this and talk to you guys today about Bird Dogs. Bird dogs, guys, they just make you look good. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the same exact thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit so much better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They fix the issues by inventing cloud knit fabric that look like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. 
Guys, and I've told you too about bird dogs multiple times, and I'll keep it brief this time because I've noticed in the past that I have a tendency to get along with my bird dog reads when I tell you about how much I love them. But it everything I just read you guys is absolutely true. They look like khakis, but they're comfortable, and they feel like you can wear them in any occasion. I've gone into the water with them. I've gone to the gym with them on. I've just lounged around the house, and they do fit great. They do look slim. If you like that new modern way the shorts ride, then you're going to love these because these things are comfortable. And with the built-in underwear, the inline as they call them, you know, you just feel like nothing's missing whatsoever. It's just a great all-in-one product. And you guys are gonna love it. So go to birddogs.com slash lockdown NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown NHL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Segment three, lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty Radko Gudis. Uh for the Florida Panthers is coming off a Stanley cup final run where they came up short. His contract is currently paying him two and a half million dollars a year. He's a right-handed defenseman plays the right side, 33 years old, six foot, 205 pounds. And this is a guy that a lot of our uh, listeners have wanted us to talk about somebody that they definitely want on the Detroit Red Wings. And I got to say, I completely understand and to a degree, I'm not even opposed to it. Radko Gudis is a, a menace. He is absolute villain mentality and something that this team lacked and something we haven't really hammered home, but they have lacked toughness. Radko Gudis is that toughness. And on a really affordable contract of $2.5 million this past season, in fact, and also coming off of that, what is it, a three-year deal as well? I mean, the only downside with Red Kogutis, Scotty, in my opinion, is his age, 33 years old. Is there any reason in your eyes in which they shouldn't sign him? Is it because of the age? Or do you think that this guy, especially on a team that's as deficit of right-handed shots on the blue line, it, it, you know, do they need this guy? I mean, I, I'm certainly not opposed. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say need. I feel like that maybe is uh, one, you know, both ends of one extreme there. But I, I do think that this is a, a more than welcome addition. I mean, like you said, it, this is a team that very much lacked physical presence. And we talked about it all season. We talked about it. Uh, I, I mean, we can just rattle off the game specifically when we talked about it. The biggest one was was definitely the Ottawa back-to-back there. But there were games all season when we'd come on here. There was a Toronto game. We had the same conversation. Um, whenever Minnesota, golly. I mean, do you remember that game? We got ragdolled for 60 minutes. Like, it, it, it's, it was definitely a, a, a massive issue. And while he's not going to give you, like, crazy production he's probably not going to grade out as the best defender ever he gives you something that you desperately need at age I I could honestly care less they're not going to go out there and sign him to like a four-year deal if they bring him in he's going to get a one or a two-year deal because he's at that point in his career plus his style of play uh like I yeah I I could honestly care less about the age because I know it's not going to be a long-term investment but um yeah, I'm I'm totally down. And also, on top of just like the physical whatever, when you look at the lineup, there's an easy fit there, right? Yeah. He's a he's a right-handed D-man like that. That's a that, that's a pretty easy play. There there's a a very easy find for him in the lineup on a nightly basis. You're not bringing him in at the expense of 
you know, like kicking someone out of the six uh, on the blue line that you really want to get minutes or whatever. Like, no, there's a very big hole on the on the right side defensively. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't even think this is uh, – I, I don't think it has to be that deep. I, I think, it, you know, you give them two, two and a half mil for a year or two, and, and I don't think anyone would be upset about it. I mean, I could go as far as say this will be his age 34 season. So you don't want to, ideally, you don't want to sign guys till the, when they're close to 40, but sometimes that just happens in free agency and you might have to overpay uh, as well. But I mean, with as much cap space as they have, with the Red Wings being literally $8 million under the cap floor, I mean, you can pay a little bit more of a premium on guys that necessarily you wouldn't just to get them to come here. And I'm not saying Radko Gudis is going to go out there and you know make the Red Wings a playoff contender, but he's going to serve an important role on this team the, uh, a type of role that this player, this team hasn't had in forever. And, you know, he's not a bad defenseman either. He's not just a goon. You look at this team and, you know, just like many of the players on the uh, Florida Panthers, because the team was one of the best, you know, not one of the best, but during the regular season was, you know, a playoff team at the very least, took him to the end of the season to get there. You know, he had it a 56, I think it was. Yeah, he was sixth on the team at expected goals four percentage, really fifth because you can't call, count Lucas Carlson. He only played two games in the with the Panthers this season in the regular yeah. season, but he had a fifty six, almost fifty seven percent expected goals four percentage. That's incredibly high. Like fifty two, fifty three percent is good because it's hard to get above fifty percent. He was almost a fifty seven percent, seven percent above the mean when it comes to quality shot attempts for versus quality shot attempts against cumulative across the season. Like that's how many more shot attempts he was out there for than against. And that has to more do with his defensive play than it does his offensive play. He's a good defenseman at career and shot, 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 shot suppression. Woo. Struggling to say that one, which is again, a need. Yeah. He's got, he had a 73 percentile goals above replacement at defense. He, he, he was incredible defensively. He doesn't bring a lot offensively, but he didn't hurt the team offensively either according to evolving hockey player cards you know he was a good defensive defenseman the only downside is according to his player card he wasn't very good on the penalty kill okay just don't play him on the penalty kill then i don't tell you it's 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 that simple he's a good five on five defensive defenseman and he brings a tough gritty edge if you want to give him three years fine do it like this team especially with a two and a half yeah like, Why not? You know how much cap room we have? Yeah, I'll take two and a half the next three years to sure up the right side of of the defense and give this team a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of physicality. Yeah, I mean, relative to his teammates through seventy two games, Radko Gudis was three point seven three percent relative. So the team provided three almost three percent more shot at quality shot times four versus against when he was on the ice across the season, like a percentage more. So, I mean, he's just, he's defensively sound for his age. The only big question mark, which is why we would be a little bit wary of giving him an extended amount of money or time, tenure, would be his age. He's going to be 34 going into the season. So, like, max, I'd be willing to give him three years. Max three years. Because at the end of his 37 season, like, he's going to start declining here soon. I mean, he probably already has. Admittedly, I haven't seen a ton of Panthers games, but throughout the playoffs, he was a menace out there on the back end. So, I mean, this is a guy, especially because it's a right side D man is a need this team has. He could be a guy that could, you know, fill a spot, fill a need and provide that villain mentality, that menace energy that Detroit Red Wings desperately need. I would just be very wary about the tenure. 
I'd I'd be more willing to give him more money on a shorter contract than give him more contract or on a shorter on a less amount of money just because of his age. And you know, you never know how guys are going to age, but I just makes me a little bit nervous knowing he's going to be 34 here because that doesn't necessarily fit the window the Detroit Red Wings have right now, but he would in the immediate probably give them something that they currently lack. Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm not worried about it at all. Like I, I like, they're not going to give him six years. (laughs) Like like it's like, it's not worth like, even for me, like it's not even worth really discussing and being like, Oh, like I'm like, I'm going to be worried about it. Like no one's going to give him more than like four years. So like, that yeah, like we're we're probably gonna be in the mix. I, I would imagine he would want as long of a deal as possible at this point in his career. Um, so I would imagine he'd be looking for uh, a three-ish, maybe give or take a year at, at most. Um, but yeah, like I, I have I have no issue giving him giving him two years, three years, around two and a half, three mil. And I, I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, Another thing yeah, like I, I mean, we've said it a million times. I don't want to just keep reiterating myself here but like he he not only fills uh, a need in the lineup card he fills a need as far as like mentality and play style goes and just in general this blue line we've been talking a lot over the last two seasons just about the fact that this blue line needs like the the defense got better from three seasons ago to two seasons ago but that was a really low bar and then it got a little bit better again from last year to this year and now we're at a point where like it's still not great even though it's getting better and we really you want to take that big jump and and you want to actually have a solidified like halfway decent blue line for the first time in what seems like a decade and and I think that this would be a great addition for the immediate um it it doesn't roadblock anybody like I'm yeah I don't really have any issues with with that addition whatsoever yeah, and another thing to of note, I don't know if it's necessarily like and super important to what we're talking about, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, Scotty, do you know who drafted Radko Gudis? Interesting. Steve Eiserman back Very in the 2012. Actually, that's not correctly. That's when he debuted. He was drafted in 2010 in the third round by Steve Eiserman. So, you know, this is a guy who, I mean, Steve Eisman loves his own guys, Adam Ernie, Mitchell Stevens. There's been a ton of guys that he brought over from the Tampa Bay organization that he thought maybe could get a, a second chance, a, a new new breath into their game playing on a team that has more ice time to give over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, Radko Gudis is a guy who was ultimately traded by Steve Eisman for Coburn of the Philadelphia Flyers, but this is he was a... He was a uh, draft draftee by Steve Eiserman. So there's that connection there. And maybe he gives him a call and goes, Hey, why don't you come play for my new team? That's just, you know, what we're talking about. You know, yeah. it, it's hard to tell. It's hard to know what direction this team's even going to go in this offseason. Hopefully, a very aggressive way. Again, I'm down. I'm down for it at the right length. That's what it comes down to, just because of his age. But he is, I think he'd be a, a good addition to this team for the next year or two in terms of just one protecting the young guys, but also just not letting this team get shoved around. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, any final thoughts then? Uh, We will. All right. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. See your team every day. Every day. Every day.